0: Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schallenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national bestselling author. He successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger.
1: Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you might be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and today our guest is a friend and a person that I admire a great deal, Uh, Torstein. Welcome to our program today.
2: Thank you very much.
1: We're so excited to have you, and before we get started, I'd like to help you become better acquainted with Tor. He's an amazing fellow, and and uh, he's an inspiration to me. Uh, he is from Norway originally, and in Norway, where he was raised, he served in the Royal Norwegian Air Force, and after a honorable discharge, he was awarded a scholarship to study in the United States, where he earned a bachelor's of science in marketing, and then he followed with an MBA in finance and international trade. And then just to add on top of that, computer science at the University of Oregon. He's a professional ski instructor, a former ski racer and coach. Tor is passionate about all aspects of the outdoors, including skiing, sailing, tennis, hiking, mountain biking, fishing, hunting, and... (laughs) Kite surfing. Way to go, Tor. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you a little about him professionally. After a career as CEO and a business leader of a private and also public companies, Tor has served as a director on a number of corporate boards and as a strategic advisor to chief executives of various companies. Uh, He has a tremendous background, including... Uh, receiving training as a graduate of the board executive program at Harvard Business School. This is a really a prestigious program and provides a, a, a really an enormous background. Tor started his career in the banking and financial industry with Citibank in New York, Canada, and London. And then uh, from there, uh, he had a very distinguished career in the financial markets. Uh, He was a member of the Young Presidents Organization in the Metro New York chapter and then served on the international board of of, uh, YPO, the Young Presidents uh, Organization. He's also been, by the way, uh, a past chair of his YPO, uh, WPO chapters. Uh, He started the Park City uh, chapter of WPO, which is a really cool group, and also been the chair of the YPO-WPO Deal Network with 6,000 plus members from around the globe. So he has a huge background. One of the things that I appreciate about Tor is his dedication to helping others. And in in that sense, he's the chairman and CEO and the founder of an organization that's called the 1033 Foundation of Utah. And it's a non profit organization dedicated to helping the families of fallen law enforcement officers in Utah. Uh, There's a lot more I could tell you about Tor, but that just gives you a little feel about him. So Tor, let's just start off by, I'd love to have you tell us about your background. I've just given a little sketch, but that way people can get to know you better um, from your own voice. Uh, you've done so many amazing things. And as you reflect on your life, what were some of the key turning points that ended up having a big impact on your future?
2: Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Steve. <clears throat> it sounds to me like you're talking about a different person than me. <laughs> um, uh, and by the way, you failed to mention that I've never broken 100 in golf. <laughs> Great. I, I, I'm what they call a golf duffer uh but never really had the time to take it up and with the number of kids uh that all played tennis we ended up playing uh, a lot of tennis but no golf but anyway thank you very much for that introduction <clears throat> and uh yeah i i have uh done a lot of things in life maybe i just couldn't hold down one job um i have a son by the way who has now worked for i think 22 years for nike and he's director of innovation for nike in asia Um, And I kind of admire him for having been with one company. I've been with lots of them, but that has also given me a pretty good perspective uh, of uh, lots of different things when it comes to business. Um, And interestingly, when I finished my MBA, I had uh, uh, three job offers. One was from Citibank, uh, one was from um, uh, J.P. Morgan, and one was from uh, a, um, uh, it was GE at the that point who wanted to send me over to Paris to their new bull uh, uh, subsidiary. And it was interesting at that time, I said to myself, you know, I don't want to really be a consultant. I really don't want to work for one company. I want to see financial statements for every company that I can possibly get my hands on. So I joined Citibank. And I think it was the right decision. It was, I think everybody should at one point work for a commercial bank. Uh, number one, you get to see a lot of different companies and uh, good companies, bad companies and so on. And that's, that's pretty healthy. And secondly, you'll never, never again be afraid of a banker. Um,
1: <laughs> that's great. Uh,
2: I, I I try not to say that when there are too many commercial bankers around. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> but, It
1: can um, be intimidating. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're badly in need of money or capital and, and that's a major source that can be intimidating. There's a lot very, on the line. Yes.
2: Very, very intimidating. I work with a number of entrepreneurs and I mentor a number of them. And, and that's probably the one thing that scares them the most. And they really shouldn't. Uh, they're ordinary people. And sometimes uh, you're a lot better than they are to know how to run a company. But anyway, back to uh, <clears throat> some of the turning points in my life. There have been a number of them. Um I'll tell you one, which was a brutal experience for me. Um, I had I was building a $500 million company. Uh, I was an international leasing and asset-based financing operation in about 20 countries around the world. And I had a really top flight management team, three guys that reported directly to me, also became friends. And uh, we went away every year. And I always done that with my senior management team. Uh, once a year, go away for a week, pick a nice nice place, even though you may not see much of it. And this particular year, we had, uh, I rented a house in Bermuda, um, and we spent most of the time in the house, not and, and on the beaches. But anyway, one, one day, I sort of got a, a sense that these guys really weren't on my plate or my page, or we weren't even in the same house. And I said, uh, hey, guys, what's wrong? And they wouldn't tell me, they wouldn't tell me, they wouldn't tell me. Finally, after a good dinner and a couple of glasses of wine, mm-hmm. I got them to tell me. And one of them, Roger, said, Tor, you don't get it, do you? And I said, what do you mean I don't get it? He said, what was the last country that we uh, started up? In? And I said, it was Thailand. And he said, how do we do that? And I said, well, I flew over. He stopped me. He said, you flew over? Uh, yes, I flew over. I said, how about delegating that to some of us? And, you know, it just hit me that I had been doing all these things myself and just using them when I needed to. And um, I was not a good delegator. So I said, Well, guys, we've been together for a while. You're my friends. I'll get down on my knees. Uh, I want you to help me. And over six months, I will change. Uh, otherwise, uh, I will retire. Uh, it was a brutal six months, but you know what? It was a wonderful thing when I finally realized that instead of doing five things, I had uh, three people there, I could, each could do five things, and all of a sudden I'm doing 15 in addition to my own five. It was a wonderful experience, and I've, that one has always been with me. Um, yeah,
1: let's just pause on that for a moment. So, you know, first of all, that's really an amazing experience, and and uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, it's hard when you are in uh, a key leadership position sometimes to to have enough humility to make the change. So what allowed you to make the change? What did you do that helped that along, Tor?
2: Well, first of all, I recognized in myself that I had built this company uh, and I wasn't going to give up this baby. So I had to change. Otherwise, these three guys might leave me. Um, so every every so often, there wasn't any set time. We just sat down and i say, okay, guys, uh, don't tell me all the good things I've done for you, but tell me each of the times that I have failed you in the last uh, since we met the last time, and we sat and talked about it now it it obviously helped that they were had also become very close friends of mine, um, although you always have to keep that thin line. I was still the decision maker um, but it helped that that we could talk openly so and I tried very hard to work on this, and again, I kept seeing in front of me. Uh, three times 15 instead of one times five, uh, you know, it was pretty incredible.
1: Okay, yeah, that's powerful. And one of the things in <clears throat> in my research of outstanding leaders, uh, those that have really been set apart from all the others, and, and that's been reflected, by the way, consistently in developing outstanding organizations, is they've done exactly what Tor has talked about, which is they've taken some time once a year – to get away with their key executive team and uh, you know tor just shared a tremendous experience that he had that had a huge impact uh not only his organization but also the people he's worked with so what happens is that it gives you the chance to step back and have those kind of experiences so great going on that tour that is a huge best practice right there doing that
2: well thank you for saying that um one other thing, which wasn't necessarily a turning point for me, but maybe a little bit of a lesson that I have learned and that I wish I had uh, an opportunity to not undo because that's not possible, but to do differently in the future. Somebody asked me recently, "Tor, would you?" Uh, and I've run some pretty large companies. I ran a New York stock exchange company, which is about a five hundred million dollar company, and we did a one point seven billion dollar equity. Position in the mid '80s, and in those days, that was a big one. Today, it's not that big, but um,
1: still big. It,
2: it, <laughs> you know, times times do change. Okay. Um, but somebody asked me recently, "Would you like to run a big company again?" And I said immediately, "said No, I'm done. I, I'm done sitting on public board company boards and running big companies." And then I thought for a moment. You know what? There's only one thing that might uh, entice me to run it for three months. And that is, in my day, um, it was authoritarian management. Uh, today, it's participative. And under authoritarian, um, not only was my voice the most important voice, but sometimes it was the only voice. Uh, but but even worse than that, it was a voice without any opinion from anybody else. Um, I love the concept today, and I've been part of a few companies, Uh, where I've been either an advisor or on the board and see that where the CEO or the division head or whoever it happens to be can actually call his key people in and say, you know what, I don't have an answer to this. I don't have a solution for this issue that we all all know we're battling with. So let me hear some of your ideas. In my day, I had to know the answer. And it was, uh, you know, uh, Steve, it's a long time, I think, since we've heard the the, the words, is lonesome at the top. It used to be lonesome at the top, but it doesn't have to be anymore. In most cases, it is not. And I think that's probably one of the most important things that I take with me from my lessons is is how to um, kind of cajole other people into helping you with an issue that you can't solve yourself and, and leave yourself a little vulnerable. There's nothing wrong with leaving yourself vulnerable. In fact, sometimes when you leave yourself vulnerable among your management team, they start trusting you even more than they did before.
1: Uh, well, that's terrific, and what uh, Tor is talking about, I mean, Tor is really, he is dialed in, and I, I really, like I said, I admire him, and this is one of the reasons is he has so much experience, and so as we're listening, uh, leaders that are the most effective leaders today have a way to bring out the best in people and create a culture that, uh, is vibrant and alive where you share leadership towards excellence that's what he's describing here and uh, because he's still going to be able to contribute his background is experienced but by involving others it allows us all to see better solutions and possibilities so what he's talking about these are two of the best pieces of advice I've heard uh you know for leadership for a long time and there's more to come here so <laughs> thanks tor
2: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for that um I, I one other piece of advice is is uh, you know everyone in this world um if you're more than two years old have had had some experiences already uh some good some bad um take stock sometimes of what experiences that you've had and and do a a one-sided balance sheet, don't put down the liabilities, but to tell all the assets that you have, that you have gained, that you feel you have, that you can build on for the future. Um, and, I, and I'll give you an example. I, I mean, I have um, run a couple of pretty large companies. I've built a couple of pretty large companies. I've failed a company. Um, I've uh, run a lot of international companies. I've been in investment banking and commercial banking um, I've had companies where I had to worry about payroll every Friday so I've just been a lucky person um, and when I add it all up I say you know what what can I do now for the rest of my life um, that really builds on that and and I'm doing two things one is I have uh, joined a, a, a small uh startup private equity firm where I'm an advisor and a part of uh, a partner um, and it's really is a culmination of everything that I've done, uh, having been on both sides of uh, investment banking and commercial banking deals and so on and so forth. And secondly, I realized that I really like helping people. So i have uh, using my experiences now to work with a few CEOs of companies where they think they might like to sell their company in a year or two. Uh, they're a little her- too early on the hockey stick theory. Um, but I can use all, all of my background and experience to help them out and get them through that that, that process and get them the best possible deal for them. Um, that I think I think just take stock of your life and see what what is it that you have. What are you passionate about? Uh, people generally do best with those things they have a passion for. So that's another piece of thought that I have for you, Steve, and for your listeners.
1: Yeah, that's terrific, and. People often wonder, well, you know, what should I be doing with my life and time? And, and so one of the things that uh, Tor just shared with us is take stock of what you like doing, what you're really good at, and then kind of focus your future efforts in that direction, which not only can you help people in an enormous way, but it brings, uh, brings a lot of satisfaction. Okay, well, have you ever had a failure?
2: oh yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> share share one of them with us
2: <laughs> well i'll share um i'll share two of them with okay. you and, and uh the the first one really is uh um i think I've gotten an f minus uh in uh, finding the right balance in life um i have uh, six children but it took more than one woman to get me there um and uh I have only recently started to really rebuild some very wonderful relationships with all of them. But, you know, I hate to tell you that I was just too damn busy. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that I ever did that I can look back on with pride was I lived a portion of my life in London when I was running a large international company. And, and I travel a lot. So I try to make, get home at least on a Friday because Saturday was Buddy's Day uh for the boys and i to uh, go in the park and so on and so forth but other than that i think i have failed i'm just very lucky that i got six kids all um, well uh situated and well-rounded and i have never had a problem with them um but uh i i wish i'd done a better job as a as a family person well so let's just pause there I,
1: for a second that, if you don't mind Sure. So if you had to go back and do it over, would you have made some adjustments in some way? And by the way, I'm sure that your boys have never forgotten those uh, weekends with you. And But no, what any adjustments you would have made or done some things differently in that regard?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's always hard to say oh, I would have done differently. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure that I would necessarily have done it very differently, but I would have Uh, I I would have done it my way in a different way and I'll explain what I mean by that Um, you know you always have to eat dinner but instead of my eating dinner at my desk uh, at my home office um, or the library uh, how about taking just half an hour and sit down and 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 start the conversation about so what did you guys do today Um, you know I think that's wonderful in my day also the, the the father and I hate to say this because I, it's it's so far from what I believe in today was the the king of the family, and maybe part of it was I grew up in norway where that's that's the way it is mm-hmm. but I love today seeing, for example, sitting in an airplane seeing a couple come in with a with a baby in their arms and go sit down and the husband gets up to warm the bottle and takes the baby in to change diaper. I love to see that, and I think that now. Uh, the one thing that I wish I had done differently had been more of a partner just with my my wife or my ex-wife, but also with my children. So that kind of leads me to, I guess, uh, the second part of my biggest challenge or biggest negative was that after 27 years, my last wife uh, decided it was time to uh, get off my roller coaster. Uh, And um, I had just sold a major company at the time, uh, and I, I'll tell you, I spent six months not knowing whether I was coming or going. Uh, and, uh, it was, uh, it was very hard to pick myself up. Uh, if it hadn't been for my spirituality, which is very important to me. And the fact that I went to the gym every day and beat the heck out of my body, I'm not sure that I would have survived that thing, but it was, it was hard, but it was also a good life lesson. You know, I, I learned a lot of things about myself. Um, and, uh, I, I uh, and this is maybe a little bit too personal, but I have always prided myself on the fact that, that that I'm really a man's man. Um, guess what? I discovered the feminine side of me and the fact that I could cry. Um, and, and I'd never really had that before. So I think that was a, it was just too, ha- too bad that it happened so late in life, thinking all the good things I could have done if <laughs> happened earlier.
1: You know, I just love Tor, really. I mean, he's a wonderful guy. And I'm so grateful that, You're willing to share that. I know it's quite personal, but I think that's something that can help all of us, every single one of us, uh, regardless of what stage we're at in life. So thank you for for sharing that.
2: Well, thank you for listening.
1: Okay, well now time's flying by and let's just touch on a couple of other things and then I'd like to hear about this uh, 1033 Foundation because uh, it's such an inspiration to me. Uh, You've had so much experience in business, in leading, entrepreneurship, uh, and working with people, and so we do have a lot of listeners that are leaders, CEOs, parents, teachers, division managers, etc., and some of them starting a new enterprise. So first of all, what, what advice do you have for a CEO, a divisional manager, or head of any team of an organization of what they can do to maximize their success and that of the organization?
2: Well, if if you've already reached that that spot in an organization, obviously you've got some smarts and you've got some knowledge and um, you have some people skills and so on. Um, And so you're at at a, at a pretty good niveau already, but I will tell you that I have never ever found a substitute for hard work. Um, I, I, I have always worked very hard. And again, I go back to the balance in life and you know, the the two are not very easy to, uh, to, to run coincide, but I think that some smart, some knowledge, um, uh, some humility, um, but the one thing about most is really hard, hard, hard work. Yeah. Um, and, and part of that is one of the things that I've always liked to say is that be prepared. I, I know that's a good Boy Scout uh, slogan, but be prepared. Um, spend probably twice as much time in the future on anything you're preparing yourself for than you did in the past. And I don't mean uh, just for a board meeting, but it could be a um, uh, an interview with somebody. It could be a, uh, uh, a discussion with your uh, finance uh, head on accounting issues or whatever. Um, it could be looking at uh, a uh, promotion for somebody. Um, but prepare, prepare, prepare. Spend the time to really understand what's at risk here and what the opportunities are uh, in regards to that particular thing. Um, and and the other thing that I did mention earlier was that the thing of participative management and getting that, that right culture uh, in there. Uh, and by the way, speaking of culture, uh, the best business book uh, other than Steve's, obviously, that I have ever read was one called Excellence. And it came out probably 25 years ago, but it's one of the best books. And it said... It isn't enough to have excellence by the CEO. It's got to be permeated throughout the organization. It's got to be a culture of excellence in the organization. And a CEO who can actually manage to get that done is probably 15 to 20% ahead of where he was before.
1: Okay, well, that, that is golden advice. What we just heard here over the last few minutes, uh, terrific. Now, let's just take a minute for our entrepreneurs what advice do you have for an entrepreneur struggling to get their new idea or company going? Uh, <laughs> that's a big
2: one. That, that <laughs> is that is a tough one. Uh, but but you know what? And there are so many definitions of what is an entrepreneur and 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 what qualities do true, they need true, to have, true. and so on and exactly. so forth. And I think that. Um, uh, the, the one main thing that will always shine through is the passion that that person has for whatever he or she is building or 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 changing or disrupting uh, industry or whatever it happens to be. Uh, but, you know, there's so many uh, drums you have to play at the same time where you are an entrepreneur and you're a startup company. You got to be the marketing guy, the finance guy, the uh, production guy, if that's if that's part of it, and so on and so forth. Um, I I think you just again you just have to work very hard, as most entrepreneurs know. Um, those are long, long hours. Um, don't be afraid to take a risk, uh, but again, prepare yourself. Figure out if if the risk really comes through, how do I mitigate it? Uh, and there will be lots of sharks in the water as you as you go moving forward. But if you really believe in what you have and what you are passionate passionate about, it is is then you can overcome most everything.
1: Great, good, all right. Well, that's uh, that's really excellent, uh, good advice, and especially this part. One of the things I've noticed is some people think that entrepreneurs, you know, they're, it's just like going to the craps tables. But I, <laughs> yes. I, I we, I'm sure that Tor and I both argue to the contrary because what he just suggested, which is don't be afraid to take the risk, but be prepared. Do your homework so you're a calculated risk taker and, uh, and that you weigh out the assets that you have and your passion so that you know that you don't put yourself extraordinarily at risk. And so what, what you've just heard is uh, really wonderful advice. And we just have a few minutes. So, uh, you know, as you've heard, Tor has been eminently successful in many different areas of life. Uh, and Tor and his lovely wife Mona launched a foundation, as we mentioned, by the name of 1033, dedicated to helping the families of fallen officers. So, Tor, would you? We would be grateful to hear about this, how the idea came about, and where it stands today, and what are you doing?
2: Okay, happy to. Very always happy, happy to talk. About uh, Utah 1033 Foundation, uh, a number of years ago, uh, when I was living in Greenwich, Connecticut, working in New York City, I became quite involved in the city, uh, and uh, I had occasion a few times to ride in the back seat of a police car, uh, voluntarily, I might add, uh, <laughs> to see what these guys really were up against out on the street. And the the, the the thing that struck me, which which I shouldn't have been a surprise, but it kind of struck me. And that was every time a police officer in the car opens the car door, he puts his life on the line. In fact, every time he leaves his home in the morning, he puts his life on the line. And when uh, Mona and I, uh, we lived here. I've lived here for um, probably almost twenty years, and Mona and I've been married ten years. So she's lived here for a while. And we decided that, you know, we've chosen Utah as the place we want to live in Park City, so we want to do something for our community. And, this, uh, this concept of a police officer came back to me, and I said, you know, maybe we should do something that helps the police officer that is killed or his family. So I went to the local uh, chief of police here in Park City and said, Wade, what do you think of this? And he really embraced it. So we started it five years ago, and unfortunately, five times we've had to meet the, uh, the mission of the, of the foundation. Um, when a police officer was killed five years ago, he was the first one, Jerry Frankum. Um, within 24 hours, uh, I went to meet with the family and gave them a check for $25,000. Wow. And, uh, we've done that now five times and we've now started a, an additional program. And in addition to the 25,000 for cash, we give them a 25,000 trust fund that can be used for education purposes and, and for either the spouse or the, uh, or the children. Um, we're, uh, uh, we've finally gotten to a point where we've hired an executive uh, director. Obviously, we're 501c3. We're approved or endorsed by all of the police associations in, in Utah, by the governor, and so on and so forth. Because I realized we're going to raise a lot of money and a lot of people out there doing that. So I want all the credibility I, I can get. <laughs> I've got a great board and a great advisory board. Uh, and I've just hired a director of development. So I want to raise enough money so that we can expand those those services. And I'll tell you, uh, Mona and I have gotten to know the five families of these uh, five fallen officers in the last five years. And uh, first of all, they are just incredible people. They really are. They have to be to be the family to someone who goes out and puts his life on the line for me and you and everybody else. Uh, but also, we've gotten to know them. Uh, so well that they almost regard us as, as their family, which is an, an absolute honor. But we've also heard and seen uh, how important this $25,000 has been for them. And then we decided, as I tell my cop friends, that you don't have to, we want to make sure you don't have to die in order to get help from us or a little tongue in cheek. So therefore, we're going to start some scholarship for the children of any active police officers in Utah. We give out about 12500 uh, we've done this for the third year now so that's where we are Steve and it is um, I, obviously as you can imagine I get lots of thank yous but you know that is kind of embarrassing because I think Mona and I have gotten far more out of it in terms of friendships and, 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 and so on and so forth than we could ever put into this thing so thank you by the way for allowing me to talk a little bit about that
1: oh it's so wonderful and it's uh, just really totally inspirational this has been a great interview today uh, I've learned a lot. Uh, I've learned more about my friend Torstein, which has been great. <laughs> but I've also taken some things away that I'm going to apply myself. And one of the uh, take-homes, by the way, that I think is good for all of our listeners, and that is is to look at your strengths that you have and then realize that not only can we use them professionally, but we can use them to make the world a better place very uniquely just maybe in ways that we can that we're feel passionate about and and then there's this magic that starts developing just like uh uh tor tor has just explained in utah 1033 well that's an inspiration and and may each of us be thinking about well how can we do that and make our world a better place now tor as we wrap it up how can our listeners learn more about what you're doing
2: well, I'll be happy to uh, get any uh, emails from anybody, and I'll give you my email address. It's uh, T-S-T-E-E-N-S-R, like Sam Robert, at Gmail. So, S R at Gmail.com. Okay. And I'll be, I'll be happy to respond. Just uh, if, if, you, uh, if you have some questions, uh, if you want to talk, whatever, be happy to do that. Just uh, remind me that this came through Steve's uh, uh, event.
1: Okay, and then... And uh,
2: also, by the way, Steve, I need to mention, I, I leave for Norway tomorrow morning and we will be gone for about 10 days. So uh, please excuse the uh, tardy replies if you, if you send me an email immediately.
1: Okay, great. And then uh, do you have a website for uh, Utah
2: 1033? We do. It's, uh, it's utah1033.org.
1: Okay, well, perfect. Well, there you have it. Well, thank you, Torstein, for being part of this show today. Uh, The thoughts you've shared uh, really can help anyone, anywhere. Uh, We certainly wish you all the best as you're making a difference in the world.
2: Steve, thank you very much. I uh, very much appreciate uh, being on. You're a great friend, and uh, I admire you a lot. So thank you so much.
1: You bet. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too can make a difference every single day of your life. I'm Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best, wishing you a great day.
0: thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the becoming your best podcast we want to know what your big takeaways were so head on over to becomingyourbest.com and you can find all the information about the podcast right there as well as the show notes page where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode also if you haven't done so yet please go subscribe to the podcast on itunes and leave a rating and review A rating interview is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.